Welcome to Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. I am your host, Lori McGraw. I have spent the past 30 years in leadership, and over the years, I've come to learn one thing. Women need women, and not just any women, but inspiring women. Tune in every week to hear from women at the pinnacle of their careers and from others who are just starting out. Episodes can be found at inspiringwomen.show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will be inspired. All right, we're kicking off on this really fun collaboration, Joy. I'm so excited to have you here in Boulder in my home, and we're doing this really fun Road to Health event with Hit Like a Girl, and I've been personally a fan of yours for a while now. I've actually modeled some things of my own Inspiring Women podcast on things that you've done. I've learned a lot from you, so now to meet you and have you here and be doing this collaboration is really exciting. Um, we've got a group here. We're here in Boulder. We're at, um, we just did a hike this morning. We were with um, about 10 women out there on the trails. Joy and I are feeling really buff and, yes. um, and fit and and all those things. So Joy, thanks for being in Boulder. Yeah, thank you for collaborating with me. This has been a lot of fun and I love the Colorado community. You guys are very active in your in startup. We're in Denver Startup Week. So it was nice to get some buzz from around that. But ultimately, like the conversations that happen in a setting like going on a hike is something I'm really passionate about. And I'm glad that you were open to hosting this type of event because I feel like women in healthcare and technology, we have a way of we get to network and mingle with people. But it's oftentimes that conferences are really important meetings and we don't always let our guard down. It's not always a, a place that everybody can be at every single conference. And there's some sort of magic that happens when we get to walk and talk in nature. So yeah, and I think this is you know part of the sort of like you know self care a lot with all yeah. things we talk about with women is like you know how do you balance and all of that and getting outside is um, good for everyone's health and mental health and all of that. But Joy, I know you've been doing this um, road to health. Um, experience with Hit Like a Girl. So like how many stops? What stop is this on the road? We're a couple weeks out from the big conference we, in Vegas. Yes, we are technically on the, this is the ninth out of 10 stops. So I have uh, spent several weeks on the East Coast. We started in Charlotte, DC, New York, Boston. I then took the train across country for a break, um, but it was not really a break. It was just extended time to get from one side to the other. Portland, San Francisco, Denver, Chicago, and then off to health. You told me that you are nine days away from seeing your own bedroom yes. again. <laughs> how exciting is that? <laughs> I'm like in, in very excited. I did not realize how much I would miss it. And of course my dog, I'm just like missing home. Yep. But it has been lovely to be able to connect with so many people in their regions and start to see like the communities that have been built and you know, the areas that y'all are like, whatever challenges are being addressed in each area has been unique, but also uh, thematic. You know, yeah. there's a lot of the same struggles that people are facing across the country. So let's talk about some of the themes. So there's both the sort of like, you know, themes of what's happening in healthcare and innovation and technology, but then there's also a lot of themes of, you know, women in leadership and what it means to build community and why that's even important. So 
talk about some of those. Yeah, some of the things that have been really lovely to see is sort of this commitment from women to sort of um, not be so competitive, not to be the person who is defending at all costs their seat at the table, but instead opening, you know, and inviting others to join them at that table, whether it's like, you know, we're all breaking down whatever glass ceiling or climbing up the rung that's perhaps broken, but really being intentional about taking the person coming up behind you and helping them along the way. I feel like there's a conversation around leadership, which is very much in line with making and helping opportunities for others. It's not necessarily like that's the whole idea of being a leader, doing something that might not have been done before. So is you know, by its own nature, a little bit scary, yep. you know, but then knowing that you're making it easier for somebody coming in behind you. But how does that work? So I've had, you know, a number of conversations, as you know, with lots of women, who are, you know, at various points of the leadership spectrum. One of the surprising things that's still out there is not all women are really eager to help out other women. It actually is still a thing. Yeah. It's not a thing all the time. It's yeah. not a thing everywhere. It's not, you know, the, this massive problem, but sometimes it exists. So like why, when it's so hard for women to advance in leadership, how do you do that, but not still sort of like, you know, sacrifice the seat that you actually want to get? What do you I hear? think that there's a mindset shift that has to take place, which is a matter of like knowing that there's power in a pack, mm -hmm. that we are more, we are stronger together than we are as individuals and knowing that we don't all have the same strength. You are probably going to be really good at something that I'm not good at. And perhaps together, you know, we can take on a challenge that we wouldn't have been able to take on. Alone. What about you guys? Have you seen, you seen that sort of like power of the pack? We were, we were a mighty pack just by the way, listeners, you know, out there on the trail today, we'll say that. So, and I experienced that at Hims last year, we had a group of women who go through the exhibit hall and like we turn heads when we work together, when we collaborate together, even when we walk together, people like there's power in literally just joining forces visually and, you know, not necessarily in every step of the way and every meeting, making sure that you're inviting, you know, maybe the intern or something, yep. but, you know, visually when people see that we are working together, um, I think that they can trust that we're also capable of getting a lot done. Yep. I also think it's nice to see that it's not an anomaly. I'm doing a couple of interviews. I did an interview um, at one of these conferences with three female CEOs at the same time, which was just exceptional, right? You know, and they're all learning from each other while also excelling at their business. I'm meeting with an entire women-led CEO and down executive team. And it's not the anomaly anymore. It's actually like, as it shouldn't be, you right. know? So it's very fun to see that happening. Yeah. Tell me, about, I mean, tell me more. What, yep. Who do you get to work with and who gets to be the inspiring leaders that you get to talk to? So, so many of them. So, um, you know, most recently I actually spoke with Rep Congresswoman Representative Diana Duguette. She is a 20 plus year veteran and the um, in Congress, you know, representing Colorado. Um, that was an exceptional experience for me. And she has been at the forefront of women's rights. And, you know, now that we're a year past the devastating Roe v. Wade overturn, um, which is impacting, uh, you know, 
despite what any personal views might be there for anyone, um, the devastation that has meant for women's health and health generally and for families is um, a lot to grapple with. And she just had so much energy still and passion 20 plus years in Congress to tackle these issues. And I think we all every day know how difficult Congress is and we're all reading um, the news. It's overwhelming. But I was inspired to just as, you know, a longtime public servant to hear how important the issues are for her today, just as they were when she started, you know, 20 years ago. I've spoken with a number of women leaders in the space of health equity. And that for me has been one of the biggest opportunities I've had to learn over the past several years. I think the people who are in the health equity space, they're like, welcome to the party. Thank you for finally showing up. But, um, you know, for me, just I think the pandemic has taught all of us, you know, about the incredible disparities in healthcare, the lack of access to so many. Um, that has been a real eye opener for me. And so the opportunity to sort of see people who are really making a difference in it, how they're holding others accountable for that difference um, ha has been um, just exciting. And that might include Dr. Patrice Harris, who was a previous president of the AMA First African-American um, President, Dr. Aletha Maybank, um, who is a force out there in the health equity space and a lot of others, uh, a lot of others, so. I love the idea of just empowering people of like one shining light on work that amazing women are doing. Like that's part of my mission and I'll be all. But then two, inspiring others so that if they see it, then they know that they can be it too and somehow activate something in them to want to do something and make a change and know that whatever small act that you do, do that you do matters. Yeah. That we can actually have an impact even when it's just in our backyard yeah. or, you know, right out in our local community. And then some, sometimes that's the biggest impact that we can have. And if all of us felt more encouraged and to do something like that, then hopefully we would see bigger changes across the country. Yeah, well, I think, um, I, again, you know, and this is backed up by, you know, not just like what women leaders are saying, but it's backed up by a lot of studies that the more women in leadership, particularly in healthcare, where we all know that the decisions that are being made for care teams um, and for families are by far made by um, women and that the workforce in healthcare is, I think we're, you know, 60, 67% um, female in terms of what's out there yet at the leadership table, the statistics are um, quite different. Uh, I talked to a lot of women about their leadership journeys okay. um, with an intention to, you know, for others to hear um, what that means. And I think that, you know, um, what I see, I mean, I'd love to know what you see, Joy, but I, I feel like every woman is a leader, you know, or aspires um, to be a leader, but um, not all women and actually a lot far fewer women um, really have a vision for what that might mean to them, depending on where they are in their career stage. I think look, a conversation I've been having very recently, and it just keeps showing up, is how competent, smart, like capable most women that we know are. And what is kind of mind boggling is the imposter syndrome that is so prevalent where people just feel like, oh, do I, am I enough? Can I do it? Do I trust in my own abilities? And I don't know that that's tied to that vision part, but I feel like on a whole, we have sort of been taught some either implicitly or explicitly that like, I don't know, we're not meant to be leaders. And I feel like, well, there's a lot of us that are 
leaders by in, in our nature. It's in our nature to do it. And we should trust that we are capable and confident and able. And when I think about a lot of uh, men in leadership and not to like paint with a too wide of a brush, but there are plenty of mediocre folks out there that are doing you know things with big titles and earning a lot of money. I don't see why women shouldn't be able to play the same game. Yeah, absolutely. And it just to, I mean, to back you up with you know some of the studies, sort of the infamous Harvard Business Review um, article that um, you know men will apply for promotions or jobs. You know if they meet six out of the ten requirements, women will take that step when they meet ten out of ten. Right. Which I mean just just like just like let that sink in a little bit and realize you know what and so what. What does it mean? And then, you know, one of the things that I found, I, I, I speak with lots of women, mentor them, and that's fun. But um, women have a hard time, I have found, in and actually maybe most people, but women in particular, talking about what they do, you know, what they're responsible for, and painting it with the level of accomplishment that I might be able to see in them. So, you know, one of my sort of like secret skills is being able to be a mirror for someone and just say like, okay, here's who you are. And this is how I see you and like, you know, practice an introduction for them. And so we sort of do that together as sort of a fun exercise and people are like, oh, I, am I really all those things? It's like so much more. <laughs> Two things come up for me. One is making sure that, uh, we stop and celebrate our wins. I feel like a lot of times we're stuck on like thinking about the challenge or the next big thing and constantly like, what is it that we're going to overcome and how can I solve for that? But really taking a moment to stop and just be like, holy cow, look what I've done. And whether it's a degree or getting a big job or helping your neighbor, whatever it is, like, I feel like that internally changes our minds a little bit to be able to see. And then my other trick is, um, Pop it into ChatGPT and see how they would describe you, right? If like, if like maybe have somebody type in uh, how they would describe themselves, and then if they don't have somebody like you to be a mirror, ha prompt the What's AI. the prompt? Give us the secret <laughs> prompt. Yeah. What do we type in? It would be act as my mentor and give me a pep talk. I've yeah. done that. Give me a pep talk of like I'm having a hard time seeing myself in a certain way. This is what's going on for me, or I am. Trying to reply to this email that might I have a negative thought about, and literally say, "Act as my coach, yeah, right now, and inspire me to change my mind about this thing." It's right there at our fingertips. That is an excellent. <laughs> I'm I'm totally gonna try. We all Google ourselves, right? Like yeah. you know, we can all try to do this. Like make say it better for me. I totally did it the other day. I got a no, and I feel like sometimes you know uh, you have this like, oh, I'm not valuable or I'm not worthy. Somebody rejected me, right? And then my imposter syndrome. And I was literally like, copy paste my email in there, and I was like, I need a pep talk about this. How can I reframe? And they're literally, it was just like, it's not a no, look at this. It's the opening of a relationship. It's just a not right now. Yeah. And you have so much to look forward to. And I was like, are you kidding me, AI? Thank you, therapist. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little scary, but okay. <laughs> so, so then what's some of, so with all the women that you speak with and the community that you built and, you know, hit like a girl. So like, yeah. what, what are you seeing there in terms of like, let's just talk about imposter syndrome. It is, and that's, uh, you know, comes with confidence and most women at one point in time of a day, yeah. you know, talk about their varying degrees of confidence. And so what are some of the secrets there? Who's doing it really well that you spoke with? You're like, oh, I really think this person's got it nailed or a 
except that you share with others. There's a woman that I am thinking of right now. Her name is Susan Clark, and she's the health IT rock star. And she basically, we have a federal rule book club, and we just show up for each other to read the federal rules so that we can make it less intimidating for each other. And it's literally that act of showing up and saying, well, here are all the questions that I have, or here are the things that are on my mind, or I'm going to teach you. And there's only like, seven of us together but we're helping each other through this difficult thing because it's not particularly fun but if you want to change something you have to understand it and so literally just I would say showing up half the time is is the biggest part of the battle I think that also is just like just great advice in terms of you know so many of the times we have these big jobs and you know in your big job you need to show up as the competent person the person who is the expert the person who knows it the reality is you probably don't know a whole lot of things um when you're sitting at the management table, the board table, the, you know, team table, whatever it is. And so having some people that you trust who are either not in the group that you can say like, okay, how do I read this P&L statement? You know, how does this really work? What, you know, when somebody said this about that, I nodded my head, but I didn't really know what I was talking about. So can you explain that to me? Those are so helpful. Yeah. People that you can trust to let your guard down and just say like, okay, I I had questions. And and of course you have questions. We're not supposed to know everything. (laughs) Yeah. How, how, How about the sort of like in the moment? So like when you're sort of like, you know, it's supposed to be a knowledgeable one, but you don't necessarily know what's being talked about. What what are some tricks of sort of like in the moment, the learning and still having the presence to not look or feel less competent than you want to be? I think asking good questions. I mean, ultimately, like if you have questions, likely other people have questions. And I would like, if you're confident enough to know that you're a good learner and you're curious, like, well, if you have deeper questions about something, I don't think that it's showing weakness that you might not know. It might actually be showing strength. Like I'm thinking about this really deeply and there's something that's not clicking. Yep. So help me understand. I, you know, I have to say like the, the number of times that has actually happened to me is a lot. I'll be in the audience of a, you know, a conference or something like that. I remember just like having, wanting to express that I have a question, wanting to participate, but feeling too shy. And one of the ones that was sort of like the defining moment for me is I had this question I was not asking it and just being more of a wallflower. And then Senator Bill Frist, who was sitting right next to me, he asked the very question that I was thinking about. I was like, oh, I missed my opportunity to sound, you know, like I knew what I was talking about. Because ultimately you're thinking about something in a way, and that could be the thing that either helps them get farther, right? And if they haven't answered a particular problem and whatever solution they're trying to create, you would assume like, you have to think about things from all angles. And that's one of those conversations around diversity of thought, diversity of experience, diversity of like life circumstance is really important. When we come up to leadership and making decisions that are going to affect a lot of people, that diversity is something we need to be welcoming more so than not. And we shouldn't all be thinking the same. Otherwise, we're not going to be solving for health equity. I think those things are true. But I also think that, you know, sometimes we're preaching to the choir, you Mm -hmm. know, and when we're saying those things, some of the things that I've learned of late, again, going back to some of the 
um, you know, studies, but in the, in the workforce is very disruptive in company. It has been disruptive. We've got the work from home, not working from home. And some of the skills that are most needed for high performing companies right now include things like empathetic leadership, inclusive leadership. And so I think that that's particularly important for women because there's a tendency and, and an opportunity to be really excellent at that. Yeah. And, you know, your ideas of like, you know, just bringing a group with you and showing up that way is one way of doing it, but just stating out loud, like, I'm really good at these things that, oh, by the way, are important for our company to be at a next level of um, excellence, growth, whatever the metrics might be. You know, one of the things that I find is a skill that we don't necessarily cherish as much as we should, uh, listening. Like, I think that there's a lot of folks that do a lot of talking and not so much listening. And the act of listening is so important because it's like, it's not coming from an ego of, I know what the answer is. It's if you can fully be coming from a place of like, I want to understand and using that to hopefully create better solutions. Yeah. You know, but that that's a tough place ego wise to come from, I think. And I don't, and I think that women bring that to the table a lot. Like I definitely. Generally speaking, generally, you're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. So Joy, just um, again, going back to the, you know, it's stop nine of your, you know, 25 or whatever stop yeah. four you're doing. Um, some of the industry trends. So what do you, what have been some of the highlights? So uh, more than chat GPT, more yeah, than no. AI, or maybe a little bit of nuance on um, AI in terms yeah. of. I mean, everybody's talking about AI. I think interoperability has been an overarching conversation everywhere that I go. Mental health and honestly, like houselessness, like like the different cities and ways that they are dealing with those populations. Like I'm like, I feel like that's where our work is right mm -hmm. now. We have a lot. There's there's a huge divide between people that have and people that who don't. And I think we are getting to a place that it, it potentially our infrastructure could be at a breaking point if we don't address things soon mm -hmm. in a way that is really meaningful. And so it's been interesting to go around the country and see that, oh, this isn't just a problem in San Diego or just a problem in New York City or yep. whatever. It's it's kind of all over the place. And honestly, I don't know how, like it's not the kind of problem that we can just throw money at and it will resolve itself. They're complicated. Right. And they're also related to people's health. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about that. Yeah. And seeing how re the relation between like the cost of housing is, you know, like and what's just going on with the economy, it's all related. Right. Yeah. And, and of course it's all related to our health, our health care, yep. like whether you have a roof over your head, whether you have food to eat, you know, um, if you're, if you're addicted to something or it's just your mental health of not having any of those. Yeah. And some of the um, solutions that are out there, I mean, you know, one of our, you know, Boulder residents, Ina Plum, who I think we've both spoken to on our podcast, um, you know, what they're doing at MetaRive is one of those sort of like interesting solutions, but there are others that are out there in terms of bringing healthcare to the people yeah. um, that, that most need it. And, um, you know, I'm just rooting for all of them because the situations are pretty dire. I don't think it's an either or it's gotta be about and and just like many things right yep. it's just like we've got to there's going to be a lot of different solutions to solve for it because yep. it's not a one-size-fits-all yeah yep. yeah what are the trends what are the things that have been exciting to you or just like surprised you 
Uh, I will say in there's been a self-care and community care conversation and theme, which has been really great. A lot of just like mental health in the sense of like, oh my gosh, have you guys ever stopped and done hand massages and like realized how like sore your hands are just from typing all day? You don't think about it, but it's an easy way that you, a person can show up for themselves without really like having too much effort. Mm-hmm. Um, in Boston, man, we walked around Walden Pond and that was like, you know, Thoreau's <laughs> place where he was very inspired and it yeah. was lovely to have patients there. So like having a patient, um, e-patient Dave and folks who just talk about patient advocacy and thinking about like, okay, how do we get as much education and information to the people who need it most and in the right context and yeah. how difficult that can actually be? Um, so not even just thinking about like user experience, patient experience, but just literally like of all of the different conditions a person could have, you know, how do they, how are they going to get to know what is the most important right here, right now, whenever that they need it. And that could be different for each individual. I'm just kind of, well, I think those patients, I mean, it's it's, what a change, right? I mean, so, you know, I've spent a lot of time on the physician experience, the clinician Mm -hmm. experience, which is in and of itself, its own level of complication. And I think people are much more focused on that today, but I mean, I have two children who are in their late twenties and believe me, they could care less about how complex healthcare is interoperability. They don't even know what that means, but the fact that they have to like, you know, still fill out forms if they need to go see someone is just an insanity to them. But in, but education for them might be something that comes on their Apple watch, right. Mm -hmm. And like trying to close the the rings, it might be a totally different meaning for them than geeking out on something. Yeah. And I would say the data the conversation is also trend trending of course it's yeah. like very important but um you know health data utility and there was a gentleman dr tom evans in the civitas conference that he just said something that stuck out with me he's like there's so many different stakeholders that need and are using the data for different reasons from providers to payers to you know public health agencies and, and community and patients themselves. And it's just like, we all kind of have to get over ourselves for a little bit and think about and like come to the table to work together for the greater good. Yeah. Like what's the Venn diagram where we're all, you know, getting something out of the use of this data. Yeah. And it's so much easier said than done. It's so much easier said, and you know, so I, you'd speak with so many people. I do as well, and you know, in terms of their companies, their focus, and what's going on, and what I'm trying to push people on a little bit more now, because everyone's idea and innovation, it really does sound exceptional to me. Um, at the same time, outcomes are not necessarily improving. We're about to see in the next five years seven trillion dollars. I mean, I remember when we crossed three trillion dollars in terms of healthcare spend. And that was crazy. But we're at 7 trillion. Um, I just got a social security statement. And it, it was so interesting. And so just a random, um, just, oh, by the way, and it said very clearly on the statement to me, your social security payments will be safe until 2034. And then after that, all bets are off. And I was just like, oh, isn't that interesting? You know, so this my point only is just like, you know, are we with all of these innovations? I'm trying to push people on. Are we really bending the cost curve? Right. Are we materially going to be able to improve outcomes? And I do feel like with all of this wonderful funding and excitement, 
we really all need to push ourselves very hard to ensure that we're touching on those things in a pretty substantial way. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just sort of like, you know, part of the churn. And so I don't know what, what are your thoughts there? My thoughts on that have to do when I think about training and so AR and VR, augmented reality and virtual reality and not in the- I know what those are, <laughs> not playing games or whatever, but actually I feel like we need to get into more of training and education that needs to go because I, like I was at this um, conference where they're like, listen, anytime we're doing one-to-one -one conversations, it's actually a waste of resources. We need to be focused on one-to-many mm -hmm. because there's such a need out there and how do we get the pertinent information to as many people who need it, you know, when they like, we can't get everybody in the same room at the same time and hold their attention for what it needs, what yeah. needs to happen. But like thinking on that scale of just like, okay, how do we have a one-to-many conversation in the places and that it matters mm -hmm. or the topics that matters? And yeah. I'm still, my wheels are still turning on that because it's, like, oh, just get into VR real quick and start. <laughs> so that's exciting. I'm actually thinking the opposite way. I'm getting really excited about solutions that are becoming super, super personalized down to the individual that can participate in a care in a way that works for them. And those are, you know, those are two sides of um, an important spectrum, you know. But I would argue that they're not, actually, that even if you're getting to the precision point, you're basically solving for so many, that's where AI has got to be coming in, yep. right? It's not like a human is doing all of that. So right. there has to be an algorithm that's thoughtful enough to be thinking about everybody as an individual and being able to respond in such a way. Like that's technology at its best. I think that we should be absolutely like a, I'm on board. Yes. Yes. Well, and there is a long way to go. And I can say this from my um, example with FedEx yesterday, where I, you know, I wanted to wring the neck of that chat bot that I was talking to, which was, <laughs> is this answer helpful to you? No, it yeah. literally is so not helpful. I want to, you know, be really clear about your uselessness. Um, but anyway, but that's FedEx. And so there, you know, there's no FedEx help to my knowledge just yet. Well, Dre, I think we should sort of wrap up on yeah. our like, you know, road to health boulder stop where's your where's your next stop i'm flying to chicago this afternoon all right yeah all so right and what are you doing there it will be the women in medicine summit for the next couple of days and then we have um our last two events so it'll be a dinner and then not a hike just a meetup yeah yeah not a hike. Not a hike. Not a hike. <laughs> <laughs> but it was an awesome hike today. Well, Joy, I just want to say, you know, thank you for making this a stop on the road to help with all that you have done. And again, I'm a fan of yours. You are inspiring to me. I know this is not um, only about inspiring women, but really the community that you've built, um, you know, really focused on women in the healthcare profession. You've been a huge supporter and a loud and important voice in the area. So thanks very much for making this one of the stops. Well, I, the honor is mine. Thank you very much, Lori. This has been great. All right. <laughs> this has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Lori McGraw, and thank you for listening.